0: You something that I forgot to tell you at the welcome time. Um, so, the Generosity Tree, we're, we're gathering gifts for families in our community. But Eddie mentioned on the video, we're doing a Love Your Neighbor event on December 19th as we serve our homeless neighbors here in the Azalea Park 436 community. And we are trying to gather 50 sleeping bags because um, it's getting cold out there. So we wanna gather 50 sleeping bags to give out as Christmas gifts at that event. We can find them for about $10 each. So we need to raise $500 or 50 sleeping bags. So if you wanna give uh, toward those sleeping bags in the church app on the Give tab, there is a button for the Love Your Neighbor event and you can give towards that. But help us do that and be a blessing to our neighbors um, and love them with the love of Jesus. Well, there are some times when we uh, sing songs that get right to the heart of, of where we're going. And the songs that we sang this morning um, did just that. So I, I just want to sing that chorus one more time. Um, as we kind of prepare our hearts for what God wants to tell us this morning, Revelation chapter 21 tells us that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And we're going to get to that passage of Scripture as we learn a little bit more about who Emmanuel is today. But I just want to invite you to sing with
1: me. You are Alpha and Omega. We worship you, our Lord. Yes. You are worthy to be praised. Come on, let's just sing that again. You are Alpha and Omega. For you are Alpha and Omega.
0: Lord, speak to us this morning through the power of your word. Encourage us where we need encouragement, Lord. Challenge us where we need to be challenged. Draw us near to yourself. Lord, soften our hearts. Give us ears to listen. Remind us that you are the Alpha and the Omega. From the very beginning of time, you are God. And when this world that we know today is over, you will still be God and you will rule and you will reign in justice. So Lord, fix our eyes on you this morning. Fix our eyes on the king this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we started last week talking about Emmanuel. Emmanuel is a name, um, it's really a name for Jesus, the Messiah who would come. And Emmanuel means God with us. And we know and we celebrate the fact that God, through the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, put on human flesh and made his dwelling among men and women. We looked last week at those truths. If you missed it, I would encourage you to listen to it, just to be reminded of of what this season means. But we're going to continue to look at Emmanuel today and and see another dimension of who Emmanuel is. Let me read Isaiah 7.14 where we started last week. It says, The Lord himself will give you a sign... See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. This passage, this prophecy was given uh, to King Ahaz. King Ahaz was the king of Judah, and he had turned his back on God. He was facing a difficult circumstance, a difficult situation. There were two kingdoms from the north that were coming to attack him. And Isaiah the prophet said, Ahaz, call on the Lord. Ask him for a sign. It can be as high as heaven or as low as hell. Ask him and he will give you a sign. And Ahaz said, nah, I won't do it. I won't test the Lord. He wasn't wasn't being... um, He wasn't being modest. He wasn't being humble. He was being hard-hearted. He said, I won't even ask. I won't even give it a try. I won't test. I won't try. The Lord and Isaiah said, man, well, God's going to give you a sign anyway. It's Emmanuel. And he also goes on to tell Ahaz that you you think you're doing a good thing by asking for help from other kingdoms instead of from God. But the truth is, Ahaz, this is the beginning of the end for the kingdom of Judah. The kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Aram that you were so afraid of in just a couple years, they're going to be wiped off the map. But as we're going to see this morning, there is a kingdom that will never end. And there is a king who will reign forever and ever. Emmanuel, God with us, is Jesus Christ. That was in Isaiah chapter 7. So we're going to look at a couple verses in Isaiah chapter 8 just as kind of a pathway to get us to um, the main text this morning, which is in Isaiah chapter 9. But here's what Isaiah 5, I'm sorry, 8 verse 5 says. I don't know if this screen can work here on the stage, guys. Um, if not, that's okay. But Isaiah chapter 8 verse 5 says, The Lord spoke to me again. Verse 6, because these people rejected the slowly flowing water of Shiloh and rejoiced with Rezin and the son of Remaliah. So here's what he's saying. Ahaz rejected God. And God is, is compared to a slowly flowing gentle waters, the kind of waters that give life. And and because you have rejected these slowly flowing waters and you've rejoiced in other kings, verse 7 says, the Lord will certainly bring against them the mighty rushing water of the Euphrates River. The king of Assyria and all his glory, it will overflow its channels and spill over all its banks. Isaiah is saying God was like a, a gentle flowing water that brought life. He asked you to call on him and you rejected him. And so he is going to send the mighty waters of the Euphrates River. That's a literal place that still exists today. And The king of Assyria, his kingdom was there in the region of the Euphrates River. And Isaiah said, the king of Assyria will come like that mighty rushing river and overflow its blank banks and it will flood and bring destruction to you. Verse 8 says, it will pour into Judah, that is the kingdom of Ahaz, the one who rejected the Lord. It will flood over it and sweep through, reaching up to the neck, and its flooded banks will fill your entire land. Look, Emmanuel. Its flooded banks will fill your entire land. Whose land is it? It's Emmanuel's land. This kingdom of Judah that God had entrusted to Ahaz as a steward was not really Ahaz's kingdom to begin with. It was really the kingdom of another, Emmanuel, God with us. And this morning we're going to see that Emmanuel is not just a baby born in a manger. Emmanuel is, is God with us. Emmanuel is God with us. And Emmanuel is a king. And because Emmanuel is a king, Emmanuel has a kingdom and will have a kingdom. But what I want us to, to do for just a few minutes here is to understand that the kingdom that Emmanuel will reign in is a literal, real kingdom, it's not an uh, aspirational kingdom. It's not a spiritual kingdom. It's not a philosophical kingdom. It's not a warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart kind of kingdom. It is a real, literal kingdom. That's why I took some time last week uh, to go over the historical places and historical people from this passage of scripture because they're real people who really existed in time. It's not just, uh, this is not Aesop's fables. This is history and truth. And Ahaz was a literal king of a literal kingdom, Judah, and he literally turned his back on God and put his faith in man instead of God, and his kingdom was wiped away. And one day, Emmanuel will come to reign as king of a literal historical kingdom, a real place in real time with real implications. A lot of people think of the kingdom of God as this abstract concept, this spiritual idea. The kingdom of God is just, you know, when you do something nice and and when you have a a nice feeling for people and humanity in your heart. And and when you share and when you give and when you're generous and when you're kind and when you're gracious, then that's the kingdom of God. And certainly there are implications to those things that, that that is kingdom Living, but the kingdom of God is going to be a literal, real kingdom. It will be a literal, real kingdom. The fact that God's kingdom, Emmanuel's kingdom, will be a real kingdom matters for us today. Because we live in a world that is crazy. I mean, 2020 alone, guys, Obviously, we've got a a COVID pandemic, global, global pandemic. And that's come with relational consequences and health consequences. It's come with financial consequences. It's come with educational consequences. I was talking to Tony Seriani, who's a principal of a middle school, and and just the, the deficit that so many of our students are facing because of shutdowns and quarantines and all that's going on. Emotional consequences of people have, as people have felt isolated and alone. But that's just one little piece of 2020, right? We've had fires in California and the American West that, were, that are historical once-in-a-generation kind of fires. We've had a hurricane season here in the Gulf that is once-in-a-generation like we went A through Z and now we're in the Greek alphabet. Right? Central American countries have been devastated by multiple hurricanes. The Florida Gulf and and Mississippi and Louisiana have been hit multiple times by hurricanes in the same year within weeks of each other. Did you know this? In Africa and Asia and even China, there is a locust problem this year of biblical proportions. You you remember the locusts in the plagues of Egypt? There are locusts right now devouring crops in in um, west. I'm sorry, East Africa into uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan and all the way into China, and they're devouring crops like once in a generation, biblical plague locusts. I think I have a picture of it. Actually, is that in there? Look, because yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gross. I mean, it's tragic and sad, but it's also super gross. Add to that cultural unrest, political unrest, global unrest. Just the last few months, guys, reveals how broken our world is. Real problems. And real problems need real solutions. And there is a real king who will one day set everything right. There is a literal kingdom that's coming. So Isaiah chapter 9 gives us a little bit more of an idea of this kingdom and this king who will reign. Isaiah verses Isaiah 9 verses 1 and 2 says this, Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, that's Israel. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to that land east of the Jordan, and listen to this, to Galilee of the nations. This is just giving us a little sneak peek of this king who would one day come, and he's going to be in a place called Galilee of the nations. Galilee was this backwater, not important place, but it made its way into this prophecy because Jesus Christ would minister in Galilee. Jesus Christ would come from Galilee, and people would say, does anything good come from Galilee, from Nazareth? The king Continues in verse 2 The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. The brokenness of this world and these earthly kingdoms is compared to darkness here. And the prophet Isaiah says, Those walking in darkness, there is a light coming. And we're going to jump down to verse 6 where he tells us about this light that is coming. He says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies or the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. There is a king that's coming and his kingdom will never end. He will establish it with justice and righteousness. Now, next week, we're going to talk about a little bit more about who the king is, wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. But today, I want us to focus on this kingdom and the fact that this kingdom is a real, literal, physical kingdom that it's coming, that is coming. It's not just a spiritual kingdom. It's not just a philosophical kingdom. It is real and it is literal and so we're going to focus on verse 6 that says, a child will be born to you and a son will be given to us. Because that word son is important. We're going to see in the New Testament, Jesus is described as son in three different ways. He is the son of David. He is the son of man. And he is the son of God. And each of those names have implications and help us understand greater this literal kingdom that is coming. So I I want us to look at these three titles for Emmanuel, for Jesus. And the first one is this the Son of David. 17 times in the New Testament, Jesus is called the Son of David. The writers of the Gospels go to great lengths to help us understand that Jesus comes from the lineage or the heritage of David. Matthew chapter 1 gives us the lineage of Jesus Christ from David to Joseph, his earthly father. Luke chapter 3 gives us the lineage of Jesus Christ from David to Mary, his earthly mother. The writers want us to understand that Jesus Christ was of the line and lineage of David he was a son of david david of course was a king the greatest king that israel ever knew a man after god's own heart and here's what god says in second samuel chapter 7 verse 8 god is speaking to david through the prophet samuel so now this is what you are to say to my servant david This is what the Lord of armies says, I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, to be ruler over my people Israel. And now verse 16 tells us a little bit more. It says, your house and kingdom will endure before me forever. And your throne will be established forever. Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, is the son of David, and his kingdom will be part of the kingdom of David. He will sit on David's throne. Now, now why does that matter? Because at the time of Jesus' birth, the house of David was totally obscure. King David didn't mean anything to anybody Israel had been conquered so many times between David's reign and the birth of Jesus Christ. Been conquered by the Assyrians, by the Babylonians, by the Persians, by the Medes. It had been conquered by Alexander the Great, and then his kingdom was divided among three other kingdoms. And then Rome came in and conquered and was ruling and reigning in Israel at the birth of the time of Christ, the Roman Empire. King David didn't mean anything to anybody anymore. And yet Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the city of David, of the line and lineage of David. And one day he will reign on the throne of David. Why does that matter to us today? What does it mean to us today The fact that Jesus is the son of David reminds us that God is faithful to his word. He is faithful to his promises. He keeps his word. God made a promise to David, I will establish your house and kingdom forever and ever and ever and ever. And yet by the time of the birth of Jesus, the house and kingdom of David was obscure and just a footnote in history. Until one was born, the son of David. And he was born a king, and one day he will be the king sitting on a real literal throne in a real literal historical place. Jesus is also called the son of man, he's called the son of man 80 times in the New Testament. This name first appears in the prophetic writings of a guy named Daniel. If you grew up in church, you remember Daniel in the lion's den. He prayed and the king threw him to the lions and God delivered him. But God also spoke words of prophecy to Daniel. And here's what Daniel says in chapter 7 of his book, verses 13 and 14. He says, I continued watching in the night visions, and suddenly one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days. That's a name for God Almighty. And he was escorted before him, and he was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve, should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Again, kingdom talk. The son of man, God will give him a kingdom that will not pass away. The significance of son of man is this. It reminds us that God relates to all of humanity. Son of David was a promise to the nation of Israel, To a specific people, God's chosen people. It was a a covenant promise. Son of man indicates and the fact, verse 14 tells us that he will rule over every people, nation, and language. Reminds us that Jesus came for all humanity. He relates to all humanity. He is a great high priest. He is a great king. He came as a suffering servant, even though he was the king. Because he is the son of man. He is the son of David that reminds us that God keeps his word. He is the son of man that reminds us that God is with us and relates to us in our humanity. But Jesus is also called the son of God over 120 times in the New Testament because he is not just the son of David. That's nice. He's not just the son of man. That's great that he relates to us. But he is the son of God. Revelation chapter 11 says this, The seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And of his Christ, and he shall reign. (laughs) And he will reign forever and ever. That's where that comes from, Handel's Messiah. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. Emmanuel, God with us, will reign forevermore. The fact that Jesus is the son of God reminds us that only God has the power to restore all things. The son of David does not have the power to restore all things and the son of man does not have the power to restore all things but the son of God has the power to restore all things. He is the son of God, that means he has power But he doesn't just have power, he's also the son of man. And that means he relates to us and knows us and loves us. And he's not just the son of man, he's the son of David. And it reminds us that through the generations and millennias, millenniums, however you say that word, thousands of years and thousands and thousands of years, God is faithful and keeps his word and his promises. And one of those promises is that one day, He will reign as king, and as king, he will make every wrong right. He has the the power and the authority to pardon sin, he has the power and authority to conquer death, he has the power and the authority to restore creation. He is God. Emmanuel will reign as king. Now, clearly, he is not reigning in his literal kingdom on this earth yet. Because it's 2020, (laughs) y'all. And the world is still very broken. People are still walking in darkness. So, really quickly, what do we do? What do we do in this not-yet kingdom? I mean, there is an already kingdom that does exist. There is a kingdom of God that exists in our hearts, Jesus says. My kingdom is within you. But that's only part of the truth. Because there will be a literal kingdom. But what do we do while we're waiting? And how do we get to be a part of this kingdom to begin with? So let me address those couple of things, and then we're going to be done. So how do we get to be a part of the kingdom? Well, there was a guy named Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. He was an educated Israelite. He knew of all the prophecies of the Old Testament. He knew all about Isaiah. He knew all about Daniel. He knew all about Micah and Haggai and Habakkuk. That, Haggai, is that who you read this morning Yeah. He knew all these prophecies. He knew about the son of David. He knew about the son of man. But he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, and in John chapter 3, verse 3, Nicodemus asks this question, how do you get to be a part of the kingdom of God? And here's how Jesus answers him. Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And it starts this conversation. Isaiah says, well, wait a minute, I'm old. How how can I be born again? And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm not talking about a natural birth. I'm saying that people must be born of the Spirit and of water. And then Jesus gets to the bottom line in John 3, 16. You know this, for God so loved the world, or loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There is a kingdom coming one day, a real and literal kingdom. I promise you want to be a part of that kingdom. Because the alternative is that the king, if you are not a part of his kingdom, will throw you out of his kingdom. Into darkness. We believe scripture teaches in a literal place called hell. I promise you want to be a part of that kingdom one day. So how? How do we do it? We put our faith in Jesus Christ, the king. We allow him to be the king and lord of our lives. But what do we do while we're waiting for this king to come? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 says this, But based on his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth, where righteousness dwells, that is this new kingdom. Verse 14 says, therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight at peace. He says, look, while you're waiting for the kingdom, live for the kingdom. Make every effort to live your life in a way that proclaims the kingdom, that honors the king. He continues, also regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, regard or meditate on or um, examine or grow in an understanding of the patience of our Lord as salvation. It says, live a life worthy of the kingdom, but also marvel at the salvation of our Lord. And then, he says this, just as our dear, dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him. And he goes on to say, Paul's already written a lot about this, so go back and read some of his letters too. I love that little, uh, you know, shout out from Peter to Paul. So, here's what Paul says, and then we'll be done. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, for we know that if our earthly, in our earthly tent, that is our earthly Body, our earthly world we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. He's saying there is a heavenly kingdom. There is a heavenly kingdom, and it's coming. Verse 2, indeed, we groan in this tent desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling. Look, while we're here in this life, we are groaning, we are struggling, we are frustrated, we are hurt, we suffer because of the brokenness of this kingdom. Then down in verse 20, he tells us this, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are citizens of a kingdom and we are ambassadors for the king. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The way we get to be a part of this kingdom that is a literal kingdom, the king will one day rule forever and ever and ever and ever. by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. What do we do while we're waiting? We make every effort to live in a way that honors the king. And we reflect on and marvel at his great patience and salvation. And we live as ambassadors while we're waiting, pleading with others, be reconciled to God. And so... The kingdom is already, but not yet. But one day the king will come. And here's what it'll look like. And as I read this, I'll ask the musicians to come. Revelation 21 Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. It was coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is with humanity. He's the son of man. And he will live with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and will be their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away because he is the son of God and he has the power to restore all things. And then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. He also said, write, because these words are faithful and true. And then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. Hey, do you all remember Isaiah spoke to King Ahaz in Isaiah chapter 8? He said, you rejected the gentle flowing streams, the ones that brought life. And instead, you turn to another kingdom, and you're going to get it. <laughs> if you want it, you got it. It will be roaring, rushing waters, and they will overtake you, and they will overcome you. But look what the Lord says when He restores the new kingdom, I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. There is a real kingdom. There is a real king. And he is coming again to rule and to reign in justice and in power, to restore all things, to make every wrong right. We live in a world that is broken. We live in a world that is full of pain. We live in a world that is full of exploitation. but one day the king will make all things right. And so today I urge you, turn to the king. Become a part of his kingdom. And one day scripture says that we will rule and reign with him. What? Yeah. While we're waiting, let's live our lives in a way that honors the king. Let's marvel at his great patience and salvation. And let's be ambassadors for the king, declaring to everyone, you got to know this king, you got to know this king. This morning, if you've never put your faith in the king, in Jesus Christ, you can do that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes, in him, puts your faith in him, would not perish, but have eternal life to live in the eternal kingdom. If you've never come to a place of faith in your life, today could be your day. Just a moment, we're going to stand, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing, come thou long expected Jesus. In fact, why don't you put, The words. Why don't you stand up with me, church? Guys, put the words for the third verse of Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. I I just want to read it. There we go. It says, Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, born now thy gracious kingdom. Bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you for sending Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that you have given him the kingdom. You have established his kingdom to be an eternal kingdom of justice and grace. And Lord, while we wait, help us to live for you. Help us to Declare your kingdom to all people. Lord, there's many in here this morning who are struggling with the broken reality of this life. Encourage them this morning that you are making all things new and one day you will restore all things. Even the broken parts, even the shameful parts, Lord, if there's anyone in here this morning who doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that you would draw them to yourself even this moment that they would put their faith in the King and the Savior. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask the question, is there anybody who would say this morning, I need to put my faith in Jesus? that's you, I just want to ask you to put your hand up so I can pray for you this morning. Anybody like that at all, I today I want to put my faith in Jesus as Savior and King. I want to be a part of that heavenly kingdom. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody else like that? Well, Lord, I, I pray for this one who said I want to put my faith in the King to be a part of that kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would Draw him, give him the faith to put his faith in you. Lord, for the rest of us as we wait, help us to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing, I invite you to respond. I'll be right down here in the front. Would love to pray with you this morning to show you how you can know Jesus as Savior. Some of you, maybe you just need to come pray and, and remind yourself of the truth that the King will reign one day over every dark place of your life. Maybe you just need to be reminded of that hope this morning. But as we sing this, I pray that the Lord